This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Bergiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, disaster divas of the sea and of land. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we've gone back to the classic age. We've gone back to the heyday. I don't know. Is it the original? Like, obviously, there are like, you know, creature-based things that came before the 70s. But it feels like the 70s were the first golden age of I the mean, modern creature feature, of the modern say, disa- creature disaster movie. Yeah, I think that, like, if you're talking about modern era, yes. You know, you yeah. would go back to, like, the 50s and the 60s, and you had all those movies. I mean, you can't, you had the Godzilla movies, and you had all of right. the American based sort of, like, I, I think it's called Them, which is about giant gra- radioactive grasshoppers. Right, right. So you had that whole wave of movies where it's very clearly inspired by a fear of nuclear disaster. Yeah. But then you get 75 with um, with Jaws. And yeah. once you get Jaws, then it complete, that is, Jaws 100% marks the start of the modern era. And that's when we start getting, one, all the Jaws knockoffs, like the movie we're about to discuss. And yes. then we start to move into, yeah, the way that, I mean, what was, what did I just watch that I was like, this couldn't have existed without Jaws? Oh God, my brain is so That fine. wasn't Tentacles? No, it wasn't tentacles. It was. <laughs> I don't remember. It was, a, it was a TV show. I can't remember. But yeah, you wouldn't. I mean, get, so many things. Any yeah. any oh, any number God. of a million. Surface. Surf. You wouldn't have surface without Jaws. Right. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway, so the point is that yeah, this I think that's fair to say. Se- once we get into the seventies, and once Irwin Allen reinvents the disaster movie mm-hmm. um, with Poseidon Adventure, and then we're just going pell mell into the chaotic world of the modern disaster for sure. And, you know, Shelly Winters should have been in every one of them. Oh, yeah. Shelly Winters should have been in every disaster movie that was made until she passed. Like, yeah, she, she this woman is given so fucking great. Every time that she comes on screen in any of these movies that we've watched, <laughs> she carries the whole thing on her back. And she, she does. delivers like the most garbage, the most garbage dialogue perfectly. So like much moxie. Woman, Endless yeah. moxie. And she never phones it in. You know, we've got nope. uh, Henry Fonda in this. And he showed up to set for one day. Yeah, that guy was a, that guy had a real disaster movie era in his career that mm-hmm. seems to be defined by he showed up for a day. Yeah. Yeah. He 100 percent just showed up. They shot his two scenes. They were done. I don't think they moved locations and they were done. with Yeah. Him. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, he's literally got- like he's literally like on the phone in this. Like, yeah, they, they went to wherever Henry was. And they put him on the phone. And they, they Courtney Kardashian in He's All That moved <laughs> Henry Fonda into, into these movies. That's a, that's a great description. Henry Fonda is the Courtney Kardashian of yeah. this film. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And meanwhile, you've got Shelly Winters just committing to everything, whether she is playing with, she's having a weird relationship with her brother or she's it, with two in kids. In the grand tradition mm-hmm. of white people on screen, are they siblings or are they married? John Huston and Shelley Winters in this movie as the, turns out, siblings who I loved, who mm-hmm. I loved, Ned and, Ned and Tilly Turner. 
would have loved to have watched way more of the two of them interacting. I think oh my I wanted God. to know everything about why Ned lives with 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 Tilly. I lo- I love it. I love the roommate relationship. I love that she's still a slut. She's yeah. like I was with she's, that cutie at the bar last night. She is a sexually liberated woman yep. and you got to love her for that, you know? With a surprise I, kid. Mm-hmm. I fully a very thought, young child. Yeah, there's like a eight nine ten year old who is her son who I initially like she we we like he's introduced to us at the house and I think he's just like this neighbor boy that they've kind of adopted because kids are feral in the 70s sure and when she takes him he and a little friend want to participate in this big regatta that's gonna happen in like the little youth section of it and I when she took the little boy and his friend to sign up for the regatta I fully thought she was pretend parenting I thought she was like, yeah, I'll pretend to be your mom so I can sign you, so I can register you for this. And then he, like, kept calling her mom. And I was like, he's in on the bit. Like, they've got this dialed down. She always pretends to be his mom. And then just, like, finally, after them doing it enough, I was like, is this really her kid? Like, she just has a rogue, like, not even middle schooler who... Whose last name she sincerely forgets at she one point. She could not remember her own child's last name. She couldn't remember her her ex husband's last name. No, which was her own last name. I just. <laughs> yeah. What a perfect character she. Yeah. That. In any other actress that could have been a horrifying negligent mother, as yeah. like much like the awful negligent mother we see in the beginning. We of open this, this movie with a negligent mother. Mm-hmm. We open this movie with a negligent mother. Yeah, we open this movie with a mother just bullying her infant by the seaside, <laughs> yeah. then ditching the child, like being telling the child, "Oh, your brother does this so much better." The baby, the baby is like six months old. Yeah, it's a baby. This is, yeah, the baby does not understand words and doesn't eat solid food. Um, but then she leaves the baby, crosses the street with traffic yeah. to go say hello to a friend. And the friend calls the baby Fatso. How's Fatso doing? Yeah. Just- and this baby is like, this baby's in a stroller, not right next to a, a little short cliff falling into the sea, but Wait, not then- far enough from it to be left fully unattended in something on wheels. And on the other side is very busy traffic and also she just leaves her kids with her back turned to go have this conversation in the middle of traffic with the woman who fat shames her child yep peak 70s man peak 70s all that was missing was her lighting up a cigarette and then blowing it directly into the baby's face oh yeah and maybe just giving it a little a little tipple a little bit of a little bit of whiskey to calm him down in the middle of the day yeah, that yeah. like we don't the you, the octopus cannot be blamed for the death of the toddler, the death yeah. of the infant. That's on mom. That's one hundred percent on mom. If the octopus didn't get that baby, a seagull was going to. Like yeah. that's just. And if it wasn't was that day, mm-hmm. something else was getting that kid because mom has left it to fucking chance. And let's be honest here. Maybe with that mother. This was the this was the merciful choice. The octopus was making a choice in this moment to take the baby specifically because it was like y- nothing good is coming from you growing up in this household. This is this movie is surprisingly brutal. Like oh yeah, we kill multiple children in this movie, multiple children. The mm-hmm. second of which is like pretty devastating. Yeah, in how they bring it to you. Like god damn man, that was cold yeah so i mean 
this movie is definitely I, the best way I can describe. I don't know, Jordan, if you had the same experience, but watching this movie felt like I was channel surfing between three channels. Like I was, in, it, was it felt like I was in the middle of the day watching TNT, then yeah. flipping to AMC and then to another channel. And so I was getting parts it was of each multiple movie. movies stitched together for yes, sure with gaps, huge gaps Big in gaps. plots where you'd be like, wait, what? I would I would rewind and be like, did I miss why the boat's no longer working? And then realize yeah. that no, and I didn't know who the people on the boat were, and this is just what was happening, and I had to go with it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to even try and talk about the brutal deaths in this is tough because you have to explain the backstory on it, but there's no way to because we don't truly understand. So if as we talk about like, oh, Shelly Winter's kids best friend dying, and you're like, wait, when did the kid have a best friend? Well, surprise. We find that out very suddenly too, because none uh, of this uh, movie his is... friend who loose detail small bladder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That that's a whole side small thing. bladder. I I'd like to think that Shelley Winters improv that whole thing because <laughs> she, she specifically says like, "Why does he get up to pee so much?" Yeah. And then the child has to answer her. It was know, it was the... really it really felt it, that really had to be more of a moment for us to just like. That character, that Shelley Winters character would absolutely ask that question. It didn't matter at all whether or not we knew that about the boy. But, like, mm-hmm. to just have her being kind of too much all the time, that yeah. was a, a great moment for Shelley but Winters. You could have just as easily conveyed that with the fact that she was wearing the world's largest straw sombrero I've ever seen. It was seen. comedy. Like, it was it so was... gargantuan. Guys, it, it was, was like it was, three, it was is, three it was three feet across. It was that a three foot in only, diameter straw sombrero. You only find that sombrero as a novelty prize at a carnival game where you're like throwing rings onto Coke bottlenecks. Like there's, that is the only location to purchase, to acquire yeah. such a hyperbolically huge sombrero. Or an incredibly racist Halloween costume. One or the other. I mean, on Shelly Winters, it looks charming. It looks just <laughs> like one of them. Because she is wearing a series of fabulous hats in this film. Yeah. At one, and, and it's she's always like. She's in a little like, maritime costume at yeah, one point. She's wearing with a little with a little sailor's cap that she yeah, just happens yeah. to have. I assume from one of her conquests left it behind. Yeah. Yeah. I she's, love that I we mean, meet her in a bathrobe and her brother mm-hmm. These are old people. Like, John yeah. Houston is old. And Shelly Winters is wearing her robe. She's just gotten up. And John Houston is just in a l- giant sleep frock. He is <laughs> in... He looks He looks like he looks like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, I was going to say, he looks like he's in Ebenezer Scrooge's sleeping dress. He is. <laughs> like, I... And you don't realize it, because when you meet him, he's sitting down and, like, he's doing his morning work. I love... I wish the whole movie had really focused on because the main character becomes the like deep sea diver who loses his wife and friends and mm-hmm. is like the only one who can kill the octopus. But it, he's not actually the only one. His yeah. trained orcas are the only ones that can kill the octopus because he seems to work at like a sea world kind of place. He, I Yeah, I think he works at like a marine research place. But in truth, like he's just a proto Chris Pratt in Jurassic World. Like, yeah. He communicates. He doesn't just. He doesn't just have trained orcas. We learn in the end that they speak to him and they They're understand him. They yeah. yes. They actually communicate, and he can communicate back to them. And he monologues at them at one point, and like yeah. gives them the stoic. You have to avenge that. You're the only ones who can do this, and you have. Yeah. And he's doing it by radio. 
He's yeah. not even saying it to them so that they can have some sort of like, oh, well, they're picking up on his body language. No, they're listening mm-hmm. on a ham radio. They're, the orcas are like, yeah, we get you, man. We're going to yeah. go find your they're find bonded. The, the octopus who kill your wife. Yeah, they're bonded. They are his yeah. foot soldiers. And he's like, he basically is like, because clearly they're friends. But also he's like, listen, I'm letting you go. And you can either choose to go free. And I will understand that as he tells them. But you are the only ones I can count on. You're the only ones I can trust to get this done. You're my last hope. I'm I'm asking for your help. But if you just need to get out of here and go be liberated, I also understand that. And I wish you the best. And they, they show up for him, those orcas. They do. In an unbelievably long and savage, basically hand-to-hand combat scene between two orcas and a giant octopus. (laughs) Yes, it is. It's incredibly committed to the orcas fighting the octopuses. I was impressed. I was impressed by how much, like, underwater, I'm going to assume puppetry we got, of, like, orcas really rapidly, rapid fire, like chewing on and attacking an octopus. That was, that felt yeah. like a real breakthrough for things that we've seen on this podcast and talked about. I can't think of anything like that that we have seen before. No, no, no. And and I'm sorry, because it's completely, I got used totally, once I got into the uh, the Orca thing, it got us completely sidetracked from talking about the amazing long dress that, that John Houston was wearing. But yes. Yes, in his Ebenezer se- Scrooge sleeping costume. Yes, but, but the Orca sequence, I was trying to figure out as I watched it, like how it was done. Um, and I have to, I think that what they probably did was probably filmed orcas, like trained orcas feeding. Like I'm, I'm sure they mm. had like an underwater, like maybe Interesting. Through, I think they probably did it through the glass. Mm, okay. Filmed, that would make sense. Yeah. And then filmed orcas with like maybe, oct- like maybe there was some sleight of hand. Maybe it was like with a, you know, dead octopus that they were going to eat anyway. Uh-huh. Or maybe it was something that was molded, like that had octopus limbs, but then was something they'd want to eat. Right. And then they put it in and because we never see the full octopus with the orcas. We only no. see them like with a tentacle. Yeah. And then once we get them into the little grotto cave thing, we see almost nothing and yeah. you can kind of fudge it. So that's why I was I was trying to figure it out, too, of like, how did we because this is a lot of live orca action. And it seems um, like if those, if like there's orca puppetry involved, they did a pretty good job of not making yeah. it look crummy. It was so like, that's why I don't huh. think it was puppetry because we saw octopus puppetry, and the same yeah. can't be said for the octopus puppetry. No, no, there was a great moment when a boat gets taken down at night of like just somebody clearly pelting a woman with big rubber tentacles. Like yeah. she's flailing and screaming, and we just have the utterly directionless, floppy puppet tentacles just crashing around her. I personally loved um, when the boys are in the regatta and all of a sudden the octopus is above is above water with its eyes up there. Yeah. Like riding a the jet total ski. jaws, the total jaws, like da 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 da. Like it's yeah. the octopus eyes become like the shark fin in that moment. Yeah. But it, the way that it's filmed and the way that the octopus head that's very clearly being dragged behind a boat on a boogie board. <laughs> yeah. It looks like the octopus is, yeah, like riding a jet ski under, like <laughs> yeah. holding onto a little tank and propelling itself forward. Cause it's not like we're seeing legs. We're not seeing like the octopus move underwater swimming. No. We're just seeing above water an octopus with just plowing like a boat through the waves to try and get to these boys. Yeah. Um, which is in its own way harrowing. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not. And then um, that's when that's when we fucking like 
lose one of the kids, not Shelly yeah. Winters' kids. Like the the no, mom that we meet Winters kids. who has to like work hard to pay for their lives. Like we get like a sad moment where like we understand that she thinks she can't make it to the regatta because it's just like so hard to keep up with payments. And mm-hmm. then like the kids boat gets capsized. Then we see like Shelly Winters is like standing at the dock like, oh my God, where's my son? And like a boat comes in of kids who have been rescued from the water and it takes forever. And we're like, oh my God, are both of these kids dead? And like, no, but Shelly Winters boy gets off that boat and they're all just standing there waiting for that other mom's kids. And it is like, fuck, they killed him. Mm-hmm. Like this mom just like lost a kid. Yeah. Oh. Or this this poor single Whoa. mom who gets one, Chris, Christine, who gets one moment where like she gives Shelly Winters the child and is like, hey guys, go be safe now. <laughs> yeah. As she sends them off while they're riding in the flat of a pickup truck. Shit. I know. It's just like, okay, guys, now you got you. I think her exact words, like, you promise you'll be careful as they're riding off in a flatbed. God. Yeah, the 70s, man. Just the fucking 70s, man. It Like, this movie is so the set. Like, in terms of reality index, honestly, it all feels believable because it's 1977. Yeah. Every bit of it. Everything. If you told me that this is exactly what, like, as I was watching it, I couldn't help but think of a uh, friend of the pod, Paul. Yeah. I couldn't help but think of Paul Feig talking about being a kid in the 70s. And I was like, I could totally see him just riding in the back of that pickup yeah. along with the little boys to go to the regatta and totally. everyone being like, that's how people travel. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it. even because they were just hitchhiking. Yeah. That's just like did. a bunch of nine year olds being like thumbing it down the road. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is. If the ki- if Shelly Winters hadn't been available to drive her kids, I'm sure she would be like, well, you two hitch a ride and I'll bring the boat when we get there. Yeah, or just like that or hand it over the keys. Like, hey, you can get yourselves there. <laughs> they would like, have had to just stack them because they're really small kids. So they yeah. would have had to go one on the pedals and one on the steering wheel. I wish this movie had fully been about the Turners because Na- yeah. Ned, um, John Houston, he's fucking great. Like yeah. he's an old he's an old determined journalist and he's there to figure out like what's going on with uh some like d- drilling operation that is causing the disruption that is leading to these attacks and he's fantastic. This mm-hmm. is a sincerely great performance in like a fun grizzled protagonist role. I loved him. I yeah. loved Ned. I loved Ned giving rich people shit like i loved ned putting the screws to his sources man like this as a as a journalist uncovers the truth movie had it fully committed to that would have been like legitimately outstanding i had a great time with it but it would have become an outstanding character drama at that point if it had just been like like tilly being his like sidekick and they're like breaking into places to get information and she's causing a ruckus and making a scene and he like slips past a guard at the records office kind of thing like yeah that would have been amazing yeah i would have loved a brother sister if they if it had been just the two of them and his quest to uncover and yeah and yeah that would have been super and that would have at least made you know, the, given the regatta stakes and given him a reason to be involved in all, it, yeah. it would have been, yeah, it would have been a really fun movie. It would have been, I, I would totally watch that film. That's you're right. I felt, but, I felt super bad for like the guy who does become our protagonist, the, yeah. the, the orca trainer. 
well, super bad for him when I didn't think his wife was going to die. But when she did, I was like, fuck her too. Man. Oh, I, once, once she started nagging him um, in the beginning, which I, she looks so much like um, Phoebe, what's her name, who dated Pete Davidson and was in Bridgerton, Dynavore. Oh, Phoebe Dynavore. I've, I've forgotten so all of who Pete Davidson is dating. I, it's hard to keep track, but Phoebe Dynavore, I think is how you say her last name. Um, but yeah, she. you don't keep track of those things? I, mean, I, keep, I mean, I thought I knew. No, she was... She was wow. She was um, before Kim Kardashian. And oh, after, okay. Wow. Yeah. And she after was, Margaret Qualley then? Yeah, she was after Margaret Qualley and then before Kaya Kim Turner, Kardashian. Kaya, or Kaya Gerber was somewhere in there as well, briefly. Oh, tiny yeah, briefly. Yeah, that was a little brief, yeah. No, no, no. She was she was in there and then, um, and then it ended very suddenly, mm. uh, as it does. As anyway, it does. we're not Who Weekly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, she, but, so once the wife... Which, as is required of, like, apparently all 70s spouses, is that you just deeply resent your husband for whatever career he has and don't oh, understand. Yeah. Like, she's, you know, doesn't want him to go diving. He had a bad accident where he got the bends. The other, and so he can't go. And please don't go. Stay in bed with me. Yeah. And then somehow, we don't totally know how, she ends up on a boat out with friends. Or no, she's not out on the boat. Her she's friends not, go yeah, out on the boat. I think it's like her. I think one of them is her sister. I think the woman is her be. sister. Yeah, and then her they, they husband, go on the boat. Who they make fat jokes about, and then yes. a friend, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what the dynamic with the three of them was, and I yeah, was like, I was like, is she cheating is... on her husband? Are they all friends? What's going on? I think it's got to be some sort of a cuckolding like situation <laughs> yeah. where they're all into it which yeah like, good, they're all into it i that's the way i'm choosing to read it because otherwise the abuse they heap upon that one man is so just brutal yes. it's so I, 70s yes I, um, I think it's important to point out that this is one of those i'm pretty sure this is one of those um good old italian it american is. co-productions it was that's so, why the dubbing like, is so atrocious the like and that's why uh delia boccardo who mm-hmm. is the wife of the diver man like she yeah. is just randomly a beautiful european woman there's just like little things dotted here and there where it's like i'm sensing a co-production the director is credited as oliver hellman that but is his not name his is real name. Ovidio. Ovidio G. Asonitis. Yes. Uh, so this is, and you know, co-written by Jerome Max and Tito Carpi. Uh, this is, yeah, this is a yeah. treasured Italian-American co-production, and I love those. And oh, you yeah. kind of always know, you always know what you're getting into with something like that. I Yeah, it was, I mean, I'm never going to expect from these films the quality of because like these are definitely this is that fly by night like we're just trying to make this is yes this is the sci-fi channel film of its time but i did really want a whole movie and not several parts of other movies which is again why like i don't know how so the wife ends up going out on a boat with two guys and we don't know how she gets on the boat we don't know who the the guys are and they're i guess searching for her sister or whatever the people who've been eaten by the octopus and then she dies really brutally. Yeah. And I was I thought she was going to be like a maybe the the octopus took her prisoner and she was going to be in a cave and they were <laughs> going to find her at the end. Uh but no, she was just gone. And I was like, yeah. Damn. She just uh, wanted her husband to stop doing dangerous things so they could have a life together and now she's dead. 
and now she's dead but it's so that he can move on with the orcas because yeah at the end and that's we have the no love story idea here. yeah which didn't know that was the love story we were getting until the last <laughs> 20 minutes of the film yeah very last um so in the last 20 minutes of the film when we no longer have um any of the characters we like or care about yeah we just yeah, we this- just once the regatta happens we lose yeah. shelly and ned we, yeah, we never get any Tilly resolution Ned, there's no sucks. like there's no confrontational scene where ned is toe-to-toe with you know henry fonda the evil uh, no nope. tun- the tunnel owner being like this is your greed and avarice no that this. that promise is not kept no there's nothing it was just like okay well that story is done now back to the thing you really care about the man and his orcas <laughs> yeah so we after- met a while ago and yeah. we're gonna come back to we completely it was you know it's the Chekhov's gun of marine life um yeah, when they, at the end, he with his little, like, his diving buddy, who I couldn't tell the difference between the two of them visually unless they spoke, and because he has a weird southern accent, they're out at sea, and they're very clearly hunting for the orc, looking for the orcas. Yeah. And we have no sense of how long it's been. The only thing that nope. they say is, we've been at sea for three days. But it seems to be pretty recent to when the orcas killed the octopus, because they're like, well, we reported the octopus dead. Yeah, it, it's like a, it's like, a, it's like we're in an epilogue, but that yeah. feels like they went straight from orcas killing octopus to just like going. Like yeah. it feels, I thought it was just immediate. I thought it was like they get back because they, yeah, they, I, I was like, are they back up on the surface and they got on the boat? What is Yeah, it? I thought, and then they just spontaneously no. decide like, let's sail to Africa. Yes! And I was like, and okay, then- go with it. <laughs> The orca trainer whose wife has died horribly, as far as he knows, by octopus fairly recently is like, well, I was thinking of staying out of the water for a while. Maybe go to Africa for a safari. And it's like, dude, do you not want to mourn your wife? No. Do you want to take any? Oh, no, we're moving straight on. You're just laughing about his grieving was was sending orcas to kill her murderer. Mm, That does. That'll that will solve it. Men will literally send orcas (laughs) to kill the murderers of their dead wives rather than go to therapy. <laughs> Men will literally sail across the Atlantic to go on safari rather yep. than rather than go to therapy. therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm uh, I'm so relieved to know that you also were as equally confused by these moments because oh, there yeah. were times like I was sure being, like, that I had looked cuz I was like doing some reading for yeah. work. And I was like, oh, that was me being irresponsible. And like, I watched, but but then I rewound it to be like, I should fill in that hole. And it was just like, that wasn't me. It was the movie, actually. Yeah, no, I I kept on, it, I, I kept on pausing the film to do other things. And it was, uh, it took me like five hours to watch this movie. But also, <laughs> it really, it, or it might not have actually, but it felt like it took me five hours. But it definitely was one of those things where I kept being like, okay, wait, hold on. I'm going to pause it because I don't think I'm paying enough attention. Let me do this thing I'm focusing yeah. on. And then I'm going to go back to this movie that I clearly wasn't paying enough attention. Oh, no, we're just, oh, there's oh. just orcas. Okay. Yeah. And that's really how this this whole film moves is just, <laughs> oh. I did I miss? I, I can't even imagine trying to watch this film in a theater at the time. It really, this feels like something you would go see, like you pay, you pay your nickel and you get two. Like this yeah. is a this is a Saturday matinee double. Yes, or like maybe this movie was designed specifically to be watched at drive-in so that it didn't matter if you paid attention or if you're making out the whole time. You could sure. just like check back in and have a movie playing. Uh-huh. You know? Like this yeah. could have been playing during any of the drive-in sequences at Gre- in Greece. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to look right now mm-hmm. for like when did what weekend did this movie come out? Okay. 
15th of June, 1977. Let's God, see. this was a summer movie. Let's see what else was out. 15 June, 1977. Movie releases. What do we got? Well, Star Wars is in theaters by then, right? Let's see here. June... I mean, 77 is Star Wars, but I think that it was a summer release. Okay. January. We're in 77. Let's go down to June. Okay. June 15th, we have... Gosh, a, a bridge too far. An action movie that in 1977 made 50 million dollars. It seems pretty fucking good. What are okay. we? What's around here? Uh, the Grateful Dead movie comes out on June 2nd. For the Love of Benji comes out June 5th. So I'm not right. seeing a ton of competition here. May 25th, um, 1977 is Star Wars. So yes, okay, there yeah. is a pretty three weeks prior. I knew it was oh, like late okay. May. Well, yeah, no, looking looking, but looking before it, yes, we have Star Wars obviously going to be the headliner here in May 25, A New Hope. So mm-hmm. that's A New Hope. That's the first one. Yes. No, this yeah. is the first Star That's why I keep First saying. one. It's the first Star Wars. And that was something that was a building like that one, I think built. I, that it, it that was, yeah. movie made seven hundred. I'm, lo- I'm on thenumbers.com. Seven hundred and eighty-two million dollars in nineteen fucking seventy-seven. That's yeah. everyone in the world going to see the same movie. Wow! And yeah. right a- and two days after Star Wars, Smokey and the Goddamn Bandit. What a like. This is this is pure 70s right here. Okay, and in, you know, a, uh, a month prior to that, uh, on April 20th, we have Annie Hall. Uh, fuck you, uh, yeah. Woody Allen, but it is a big deal. Mm. And then I'm looking at the after. The after is a funny list because, hey, guess what comes on July 13th? Because of, we're talking about Jaws, Orca. Oh, the- my God. The whale, the tragic whale disaster movie Orca. So this is the summer of two Orca, essentially. By the time Mm -hmm. we get the Orcas in here, this is an animal horror movie. So we have two whale horror movies coming out in summer 1977. Uh-huh. You, this is a, so this is an afternoon where you go to the movies, you pay your fucking nickel in July, and you are watching Orca back to back with tentacles. Yeah, the, vi- the vibe of Orca is so deeply different than the vibe of Tentacles. I Amanda, imagine not that transition. Orca, but oh. I went to I went to a 16 millimeter Animal Disasters mm-hmm. Film Festival earlier this year, and I left to go to an Ali and AJ concert in the middle of it because it was sure. right down the street. And uh-huh. I came back, and we missed like a movie and a half. And one of those movies was Orca. And from everything the friends who we left behind said about it, I don't ever want to watch that movie. That sounds it, fucking devastating. It's I was like, it is I, I am so glad I was not a part of this. Oh my god! Yeah, it's you know the you know the 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 Family Guy like bit where Peter Griffin is fighting a chicken and then they fall off of a cliff and then they're like rolling and, and they just keep and the chicken and Peter just like keep fighting and fighting <laughs> yeah. and they're going through different scenarios and it just won't stop. That's Orca, but Charlton Heston and a, and a big ass Orca. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's very Moby Dick. Um, okay. Yeah, and it's just Charlton Heston just being endlessly harassed by an Orca. It's great, <laughs> great stuff. Oh god. I haven't watched it since college. And when I watched it in college, it was one of the days like I was sick. And um, so I remember kind of going in and out of it as I was awake and then asleep and awake and asleep. And uh, 
just kept waking up being like, Jesus, he's still fighting the orca. (laughs) (laughs) How is this still happening? We came back, me and Sam, just buzzing off of Allie and AJ. And our friends who were still there were just like glassy eyed and Mm -hmm. vacant, having just watched Orca. Just like, God. Because we we, we left. I think the last thing we might have watched was like, anaconda in 16 millimeters so we were jazzed yeah and then they really took the tone down in the middle of the night in yeah, like no, a six orca, movie marathon orca's just gonna drop all the air out of the room yeah 100 yeah that's tonally is not it is not a companion to anaconda at all so i am thrilled that this same summer saw the release of both it's orca, orca and tentacles well you know, with Jaws, the boat that they had was called the Orca. So if you're going to rip something off That's from Jaws, right. you know, the Orca is probably going to be one of the things you rip off. But you can't go naming the boat the same thing. So you have to go with the actual animal. You have to you have to go with the actual animal. You have to level them up. You have to mm-hmm. advance them. Uh, you have to make them foot soldiers of a human's vendetta mission. Yep. And again, can't say M- Muja uh, surely is aggrieved by the role of the orcas in this to fight on behalf of the humans and not team up with the octopus to take down humanity. I was thinking of Muja while I was watching this and how these these animals are species traders and they will be accounted for when the great battle comes. They will be suitably punished. I assume yeah. that they I assume that they went and found the Orca trainer guy again at the end of the movie, partly because they tried to join any pods and all the pods were like, absolutely the yeah. fuck not. You did what? You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. This was like they punched their ticket. Yeah. They're they, like, well, okay, well, why don't you go be with your friends then? Your new friends. Yeah. Because you don't need us anymore. <laughs> That's hundred percent what was happening. That's why the I mean the orcas were begging for attention from this man they were rolling on their side waving, waving at, him. at him adorably it was, it was very charming it was i'm again just orcas in general are terrifying to me as a concept but i love them because <laughs> it's like oh you think do you guys do the tricks and i don't know if you do them because you know that they're cute or because you're like and you like think that you're gonna con us into something <laughs> And I kind of think, I, I don't think that orcas get trained. I think that they decide they want to do it. Yeah, I like, think well, that's you know probably what? true. That's, this is advantageous to us, which is, I feel yeah, not the same not, thing as like my dog. We're not being trained. We yeah. are, they're we making already it, know how to do this. And yeah. we are opting into executing on these things you think you're teaching us how to do. But we're fucking past that, man. Yeah. Orcas aren't being trained. They're making a decision. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Completely agree. And these orcas had, they felt like they had a fucking score to settle with this octopus. They demolished And not his, not the humans. Like, they were like, this is for us. Yeah, they didn't just, like, destroy the octopus. The octopus's head rolls down a canyon at one point. Yeah, like, once we start seeing, like, pieces of octopus start falling down, I was like, oh, damn. This movie is going hard. Like, this movie, rate it, rate this movie R- for animal on animal violence and the killing of children. <laughs> this like this can't be a PG-13 movie. This is like no way. Well, at least we don't I I mean the one good thing is at least we're not seeing the kids. It's not like we're watching the baby be thrashed around in that first <laughs> yeah. sequence like small favors which <laughs> yeah. I, we do see the 
whale trainer's wife get pretty taken out. She, like she gets, yeah, she gets the most detailed. Like yes. we see her being wrapped in a tentacle underwater instead of just like the oh there she goes. Oh my god. How about though when her sister and her cohort are on the boat in the daytime because wife gets killed at night. In the boat in the daytime and she like realizes she's in trouble mm-hmm. when for some reason this is what they decided in the production that just like one of the guy's legs would just pop up out of the water (laughs) like he was doing a handstand under the surface and just twice like and then it got like pulled back down again and then just his little legs come up again and break the surface just two fucking man legs straight in the air they're not they're not being thrashed around they're not there's no we don't blood know in that the they're water. disembodied from yeah. the rest of him. They're just like, it's just somebody underwater raising themselves up with their legs in the air a couple times. Yeah. it's And I she's mean, like, oh, God. There's no blood. That's the thing. That's so, like the, this whole movie. There's never a moment where we get the like the water turning red or anything. So it really does just look like that. She could have just as easily thought the guy was drowning. And oh, she yeah. just decides, oh, God, everyone's dead. And it feels like a like because of how the, it feels like just like a straight up taunt, like the octopus yeah. was like just holding him up with a tentacle, and then lowering him back down again, and then holding him up with a tentacle, and then lowering him back down again. Just like <laughs> he was really screwing with her, just using him as a man puppet. Yeah, that's what it. Because yeah. like I don't know what else that was supposed to indicate to us. Like oh. Well, now we know there's trouble. It's the old octopus holding the guy upside down <laughs> and above the surface of the water gambit. She's fucked. Famously, what octopi do is Every, this. Yes, that is that is the well-known. It's like the role of death. I was going to say, um, it's like the role of the alligator. Like, yeah, well, no. once you've been held upside down and your feet have been <laughs> extended above the surface of the water, there's no turning back. You've hit that event horizon of octopus attack. <laughs> It's exactly, I mean, that's, it is, it is so, for a movie that really wants to lean into the horror of it, it is such yeah. a blood, it's such like a weirdly bloodless, it's not like we see a, like, in Piranha, we would have at least gotten the severed leg floating, <laughs> bobbing on the surface with like yeah. a bone sticking out. Oh yeah, in Piranha, we, that would have, that guy would have gone high enough for it to be just dick out. Well, yeah, that's, you're right, yes, there would have been full. <laughs> and she would have been topless on the boat. I mean, that's, it's not a one-to-one comparison necessarily. Yeah. But I can very easily see the universe in which, like, that is exactly a gag that a piranha movie would do. Yes. Where, like, instead of his dick, it's a tentacle. Yes, I can see that as well. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I, okay, and what is that? I don't know the name of, and, like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, do we know the name of that instrument that I feel like you hear in like Regency settings that's like a string that mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a guitar kind of structure or if it's like meant to be played on keys, but like the in, the go-to instrument that they use for the score in mm-hmm. this movie that like lets you know bad shit's gonna happen, it sounds like that. Like, yeah, it sounds like a synthesizer violin. Like it is so, it, it's like trying to, it's like, it's like trying to do its own like da-da-da-da. Da 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 da. But it's just like this almost whimsical instrument yeah. that is used for the motif. It's a twang, which is an odd. The 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 sort of dramatic twang is a weird choice. Yeah. Um. But it also like there's no score. To, I don't know this movie has a score necessarily so much as it just has like 
heavily punctuated um, (laughs) every so often so much like a cat like warbling (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what the sound is um while also like making all of the sea creatures have their own unique sounds yeah like did you know that a manta ray sounds like a symbol yeah (laughs) yeah right like yeah just a quick hi-hat clash that's what it sounds like the octopus sounds somehow like an entire it was almost like full like like effects sound design by way of instrumentation yeah like it was like i would group it almost more with sound design and foley artistry than i would music yes and again the yeah like all of the 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 octopus because octopus don't make noises like they're not making scary intimidating noises yeah so much like when we get the anaconda scream at the end of anaconda we're like, oh man the the octopus makes sounds and so yeah. the octopus makes like boat creaking noises it sounds like metal holes being kind of just creaking against wood it's a very yeah. odd choice yeah and that's kind of consistent for all of them at one point there's like a fish startles one of the divers, but it startles one of the divers by making a weird sound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All these loud fish. Yeah, fish, notably notably loud creatures. Everyone's like, man, fish, do they ever shut up? Now, when we're underwater at one point with a set of divers who get uh, uh, octopus attacked, yes. they're down there and there are all these fish, right? Like on the sea floor, like dead and kind of like mm-hmm. suspended upright. Are we meant to believe, like, did the octopus just, like, sport kill them? Like, what were, I was like, oh, is that, like, just how a kind of fish sits still at the bottom of the water? Like, or are these supposed to be dead fish and letting us know that, like, we're perilously close to the octopus cave because there's all these dead fish around? But, like, why are they on the bottom and not floating up at the top if they're dead? Did you get what was going on there? I mean, the answer to any question of did I get what was going on there in this movie is no. Okay, yeah. I and didn't. I'm not hung up on it, but I was just like, am, is no, this one I, of those where I'm missing something or is the movie missing something? I think there had to, there somewhere there is a scene in which the marine expert explains why the fish were all pointed with their tails upward yeah. and their face down. Well, I guess, like, like, orderly... I guess like the man, really. Like the man out of the water. Oh, yeah, so this Feet is just the this is the octopus's signature murder move. <laughs> yeah, this is but how yeah, it there's... arranges its trophies. It's exactly, but yeah, that's... smart. It has tied them to the seafloor with twine, mm-hmm. and their yes, bodies are floating. Are all floating upright in sort of a murder garden? Yeah, it's and yeah. It, but it was like, well, but why didn't it eat the fish? Like, why didn't it eat these fish? Like, are these just like, is this just sport killing? This is decoration, I guess. This is yeah. like putting putting pikes on the yeah. head kind of thing. Head yeah, head no, there's, pikes. there's, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Yeah. Heads, <laughs> heads on pikes, pikes on heads. Um, yeah, it's, there's no explanation given because this movie does not, is missing entire scenes. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, I guess it just makes it scary. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I got the not? sense that there was something wrong. I just yeah, was like, hmm, Okay. Visually, it's a cool. It's actually a really cool visual. It looks, like it's a, yeah, it looks really neat. Yeah, it's just it doesn't get explained beyond being kind of weird, and so there's no like further elaboration that really makes that set that work as a set piece. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Why they were there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't answer why most things happened in this film. So I was entertained though. Yeah, it was it was still because it moves fast. Yeah, it does. You're you're jumping around a lot, and then you get <laughs> yeah. all those. You've got Ned out there, you know, doing. I'm waiting sort for of Ned like, to come back at every fucking turn, man. Right, 
and you're waiting for Shelly. We got this whole sequence of Shelly Winters, like where she's just sitting there. And obviously the audio didn't work in that scene when she's <laughs> waiting at the regatta. Oh, she's yeah. Like when the, she's yeah. just like yelling into a walkie talkie and yeah. there's just nothing. And there's no audio. And instead we're hearing a stand up comic tell a really weird joke about like Scotsman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The comic. The comic. Yeah. Because like, so that's the audio. There's several sequences in this movie that are very clearly badly redubbed. And <laughs> you have this whole sequence where <coughs> we're deprived. Obviously, we're always going to say there's not enough Shelley Winters. But in this particular Obviously. case, like that's that's the that's a foregone conclusion here. Number one Shelley Winters podcast. But yeah, in particular, she is sitting there in this crowd holding the walkie talkie, trying to communicate with the boys and her mouth is moving. Yeah. And the stand up comic is talking. And every once in a while, like every once in a while, we do get Shelly sound. So mm-hmm. it's like they're giving this to us, but they're not giving us the whole thing. So it does feel just like te- technical N- error, error 404, not found. Real, real big just audio choice there. And I like the I, I like to think that Shelly, they were like, Shelly, can you come back and redub this? And she was like, absolutely, absolutely not. not. I will not do that. Absolutely I have made this film. Not. That was on you. Goodbye. Yeah. yeah fuck you. Yeah. I don't think Shelly Winters does redubs. No, I don't think so. At least not at that stage. No, not for tentacles. No, not for tentacles. But you know what? This movie at the very least did. Didn't mm. fucking kill Shelly Winters. That is true. And it true. did reference that when she's signing the boys over the regatta, she's like, I don't really think it, like, I. it's not my sport. Like, I don't really think it's safe, but I'm a scoot, like, I'm a diver. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, she is. Yeah. Belle Rosen is a fucking junior swimming champion. And Tilly Turner is an accomplished diver. Of course she is. Yeah. Of course Shelly Winter's character is not getting back on a boat. Not and would a I like, chance. Would I like to see her do ocean heroics? Yes, but not at the expense of her life. No. Not at the expense of her life. I cannot, but like, I cannot, but watching this, it was just like, look how easy it is to not fucking kill Shelly Winters in your disaster movie. Look how easy it is. And it made me angry all over again for the multiple times we have seen her die in other ones. Yeah. This is this proves even though it's a lackluster film, this proves that's a better film for not killing her. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. And I mean, would I have liked to see Shelly Winters dive down and fight the octopus herself to get vengeance upon right. her Shelley, son's friend? Shelly Winters and two two orcas. I would have totally watched that as well. Fisticuffs. I appreciate that we didn't have to watch Shelly Winters get taken with a tentacle, which I was I, like they did. Uh, we were warned in advance she lives. Yes, but. I was also still like, man, I just don't want to see Shelly Winters get wrapped up in the tentacle and no, die. No, I don't want to see her humiliated. No. Like, let let her just be great. Let her just be brassy. Yeah. Because she's amazing at it. What a, that iconic head of hair. As far as I was concerned, her and John Houston were siblings. Once it was clear they weren't married, obviously. Yeah. But like that, again, we really missed a brother-sister um, basically like information heist movie. Yeah. we And that's that, too damn bad. That would have been, if this wasn't a movie where they had to then bring in like the handsome young man, which, you know, like his shorts were really short, I guess. Yeah. Those were the shortest jean shorts I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> Don't worry. My, that's what my dad's shorts look like. Oh, good. Because my dad, um, he was, for, for most of my childhood, was like very insecure about his legs. Because he was like, you got these fucking chicken legs. And he didn't, he didn't want them exposed uh-huh. wearing shorts. 
Um, but he got to a certain point where we were like, Dad, just wear shorts. Just wear shorts. And it's, it's hot out. You don't need to be in your work jeans. Mm-hmm. And so he finally was like, OK, I'm going to try wearing shorts. And But he didn't want to wear stupid looking shorts. Sure. He didn't want to wear shorts that made him look like dads with polos. And mm-hmm. he didn't want to wear those baggy ass shorts that made you look like a teen hoodlum. Sure. So he, he made his own cutoffs. Oh, my out God. Out of his jeans. But he, and again, he didn't want them to be like long and baggy looking. Mm-hmm. So he just cut them basically to where you could see the pocket coming out. Okay, like good. A, he's like got a gay like, man's shorts in he's the got cast. Early row. 2000s. He's got early 2000s Britney Spears shorts. Yeah, he had yeah. ladies. He had ladies shorts. And let me tell you, my dad, he does have chicken legs. <laughs> he does have the scrawniest legs you ever did see. And I remember one day at softball practice in high school, our shortstop, Aaron Snyder, looking at me and being like, whose dad wears short shorts? <laughs> I was like, fuck off, Aaron. I was like, it took him, it was like, it took us forever to get him to wear shorts. You can't hear, like, you are right. But like, don't let him hear you say that because like, he deserves to be able to wear shorts. Let the man wear shorts so short you can see the pockets coming out the they're bottom. So, Just let him live. They're so short. That's and of amazing. course, and probably the last time he had worn shorts, really, was when he was a kid in the 70s. Was when yeah. He was like a kid, like an a early 20-something, late teen in the 70s. So he just made shorts like the guys wore them back then, which well, is I mean, exactly what we see also- in this movie. Whenever I, I having tried back in like high school and college to save salvage jeans by turning them into jean shorts, no I matter where you think, no matter where you think is going to be a normal length, somehow when you cut them, they end up two inches shorter. It is like they on the are, human body. They always go when yeah. you are looking at them and you come, you're like, God, that's that's too much shorts. Like that's yeah. so long. You'll put them on and be like, Shit, I accidentally got those exactly where I wanted because if you cut them to look like the right length when they're just on the table with scissors, you're going to end up with the exact thing you were trying to avoid. Yes, that is why I don't own any jean shorts I've actually cut successfully. Yeah, no, it's a real, and if you you get a pair right, then Mm -hmm. you keep that and you use that as a guide for all future shorts, jorts that you're going to make because it's easy to guess wrong, man. It is the most perilous way to try and make. It's the most perilous thing you can make is clothing. There's a lot of there's a lot of forgiveness on cutting yourself a, a tank top out of a t-shirt because that can be any number of things. Like, oh well, that's got a lot of clearance on the sides. That's for a hotter day. That's yeah. a little more crop crop close to the arms. Uh, but the shorts, it's again, it's like I'm obviously doing this myself because I don't want the fucking tiny shorts. Yeah, they're the only ones I can find in women's shorts sections, which I feel like is only recently course correcting. And yes. right as Gen Z is threatening to bring back the most vile fashion of our formative years, which is the low, low rise. Yeah, you I'm not even. Idiots. Not, I, I, I'm just grateful that they're not going to make all of those clothes available at like places that you and I would shop as adults. Now it's like, yeah. that can be a Forever 21 problem. Man. I don't shop at Forever 21 anymore. So I don't what have to worry about was. showing up there and being like, oh, the shorts with no waistband are back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's Did no you... room for a waistband when your zipper's an inch and a half long. We feel like we just talked about this last week with Surface. It's so on our mind. Well, and to be fair with because... Surface, it's it's right in front of us. And, uh, yeah. and so is Hottie Lake Bell. 
So it's it's really front of mind. And now and now the seventies, they're offering up these sartorial issues once again. Yeah. I like, mean, between the short shorts and the old man's night frock, this movie is giving us It's giving us a wide range. fucking hats. I love that sombrero, he sat there. Man. I love that he sat there through the like oh. he's very clearly been sitting there through the night doing research. Just Letting it all hang out. He likes the yeah. breeze through his legs in his <laughs> nightshirt. Yeah. He is. And you know, you can like s- visualize the slipper that you know he's wearing. That yes. little just like little b- little brown house slipper. Yes. Like, he was just missing like a little nightcap. He needed yeah, a little. Yeah, he was missing the nightcap that goes down to like your yeah. waist. Yeah. With, with a little, little palm, palm on, on the end it. of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That was a if you were if you still needed clarification on what this night frock looked like, everybody, imagine a little conical cap with a little palm on the end of it. That's what we're talking about. That is the whole mm-hmm. look. That is the aesthetic of what we are describing here. Yeah. If you had said that John Houston had just shown up with this and been like, yeah, I pulled it out. I wore this in 1910. I'd be like, yeah, yeah that tracks. That yeah, this was my this was my father's night dress. Yeah, because I think it's like long sleeve too, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he could have worn that lying in bed with Charlie's grandparents. And Willy <laughs> yeah. Wonka. Oh, completely, yeah. completely. Man, I just I we've gone on clothes for so long now, but like the thing that gets me because my mom always wore big night shirts. My sure. mom loved a night shirt like down to the knees. Mm-hmm. That is so much fucking fabric to get wound up in when you sleep. Like that is I've attempted like. I've attempted just like, oh, what's this all about? And it's yeah. like, I am in a human knot fighting against the sheets in something that goes down that, something that goes down to your fucking ankles. Like, oh dude, you live on this beautiful stretch of what is supposed to be the California coast. You don't need it. You don't need it, this giant nightdress, but you are old and I guess cold and frail. I mean, maybe if they're in San Francisco in December, that would be cozy. <laughs> yeah. He's not hardy like Shelly Winters. Yes, Shelly Winters is is bra as well. Yeah, Shelly yeah. Winters, she could beat the shit out of you. She could yeah. run through a brick wall. She she's she's just Shelly she, Winters she, has mass, and she's going to use it to intimidate the shit out of you. There's also like just that personality to her, where there's just no there's no frailness to her personality. That's it's just no. so it's so brassy that you're like, yeah, that's just. I feel like Kathy she, Bates in Titanic was playing Shelley Winters playing the unsinkable Molly Brown. Yes, like, that actually that, is, that is what she is the unsinkable Shelley Winters, which I think is why it's extra offensive. Yes, that she gets killed in these movies. It's like you can't sink Shelley fucking Winters. <laughs> Screw you. The unsinkable Shelley Winters is a perfect title for her. The unsinkable Shelley Winters is the documentary I should make. Oh my god, absolutely. God. With with an entire just one episode solely devoted to all the dudes she had sex with. <laughs> because she loved talking about it, which is why I love her. Incredible. I mean, yes. and I love that as a character. I hope that she just like had some lines in this character and was basically like, "Can I just make the rest of this shit up?" Yeah. Like, can I just decide like you have no, what you feel about whatever this character is means nothing to me. I'll say your dialogue, but this character is my creation. It's we're making we're like, going autobiographical here. Given how haphazard the rest of this movie is, that would not be surprising. No, and like I, I mean, feel like in an Italian American co-production disaster movie, nineteen seventy-seven, yeah. Shelley Winters is a get. 
Like, Shelly, yeah. like, she's in the circuit kind of at this point. She's in a latter stage of her career. Yeah. In that way. But it's still, like, she's still Shelly fucking Winters, two-time Oscar winner. Yes. I mean, it, it's still the prestige that they're looking for. So, yeah. Exactly. I think that, you, I think that if Shelly Winters shows up and says that, then they, they're like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we don't, we don't know better than Shelly Winters. No, no one knows better than Shelly Winters. <laughs> yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Well, okay, since we've spent this much time talking about clothing, does this mean that we are at the end of yeah, what probably. can't even be called the reality index in this case because there's no reality here? Yeah, and like, and the reality that does exist, fully believable because it's the 70s. Yeah. Like, I do, hey, I do believe the 70s, that man. They, they call off a regatta by flying a helicopter too low and showing a chalkboard sign that says turn back. <laughs> yeah. Again, the 70s, man. Yeah, that just sounds right. Sure. It is like, God... How did people fucking make it? I don't know. And again, by the way, when these boys are competing in the regatta, everyone else who's competing are adults. Yeah, there's like it allegedly like a youth component of this, but we're they're the only kids we see on the water. And they're they're like they're and as the woman like warns Shelly Winters when she's registering them, like, um, this is in open water, like rem- yeah. reminding you. And they're in they're in a fucking dinghy that should be on a lake. Like yeah. this little teeny tiny boat. It's like not anything that should be on water that has white caps in it. Well, definitely not steered by two boys who are Un- def- who have not hit unsupervised. puberty. Unsupervised. Yeah. Again, the seventies. Yeah, it's very the seventies. But without that, we wouldn't have had such great octopus. I mean, the octopus wipes out the entire regatta. <laughs> yeah. Every they show at, at the at the end of the octopus destruction, they show. All of the boats. Capsized. The overhead shot of just like what looked like paper boats yeah. tipped over in the water. Great. Yeah. Great stuff. Great scale of devastation. The movie does not. The Credit where credit is due. This movie so often, especially with like the made for TV disasters, we feel yeah. like there isn't enough scale of disaster. And here you do. They go all out. They're like, we're going to give you a regatta. We're giving you a regatta that has a parade. Yeah. That's how big this regatta is. And then we're going to destroy everything. And I, I appreciate that they do that. Yeah, super. I yeah. And this is not related to this, but like I, for some, it's been in my head the mm-hmm. entire time we've been, to, for some reason, Krakatoa, East of Java. Um, yeah. And how that movie was nominated for an Oscar for visual effects. God, that's wild. Talk about the 70s, man. Like, man. it's, I remember when I realized that I remember when I realized that the visual language of cinema had changed mm-hmm. when I went and saw the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion, which I really liked. Um, it didn't inspire a lot of love, but I really liked it. And I remember, and it looks, it looks incredible. Like that movie has absolutely remarkable visual effects. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking out of it and being like, yeah, that was solid. That was, that was fine. And I liked it more than most people I knew. And it, I really checked myself when I said that and was like, you just walked out of like, a visually remarkable science fiction movie and were able to just be like, yeah, good stuff. And it was like, oh yeah, this isn't unique anymore. Like yeah. we are so, this is, this is the, the extraordinary feat of visual artistry that you just saw is so common now that that cannot tip the scales into making a movie, well, at least it looked like this, like, versus, like, back in Krakatoa, east of Java. Like, that movie, 
di- like yes suicide squad was nominated for an academy award as well but like i feel like normally unless it's just one yeah. of those movies that everybody agrees it's like what the fuck is this collective delusion with like bohemian rhapsody movies that are straight up horseshit getting to fully nominated for oscars like krakatoa east of java yeah is a mess like it is it is a quintessential 70s mess of a disaster movie but it was like hey man what they accomplished with those waves over and over again best in class possibly yeah i mean that was what you were seeing that year at the theater was i mean yeah yeah was something like of that quality versus now where suicide squad is even top 10 of like wow this is you know visual visuals no no um it's not top ten of anything. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> shout out to uh, the Suicide Squad, which I loved. Um, but the Suicide Squad that came before it, fuck that movie. But yeah, so does that take us to what is this movie really about? Yeah, I think it does. Jordan, do you have any ideas? You know. I feel like this movie is about unusual love stories. Okay. And for that, I really appreciate it. This movie is about a love story. I, 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 I really sincerely enjoy that when we meet the Turners and we realize that they are siblings. And, you know, Shelly says that Shelly and her brother are talking about, you know, you know, mom would, you know, I think mom and dad mm-hmm. would be so happy that, like, we stuck together and that we, yeah we like they're gone but we still have this little family of ours and at that point we don't know if she has a fucking child <laughs> we just know that it's the two of them kind of against the world sure and he, he's like yeah do you think they're looking down on us right now and it's just like a really lovely moment i'm like i am so happy that these two little old people yeah shelly shelly winters is not a little old anything but like these two like getting older people are just they have each other and that this movie is like that's a nice thing and that basically the central romance is between a man and his orca friends Mm -hmm. i i love that i love that you know we have a guy loses his a guy loses his wife uh and it's sad but like the the reverence that this movie has for very normative relationships like a a man and his wife or a, even a mother and her children uh mm-hmm. is kind of like eh, whatever like we like this brother and sister and this guy with his orca buddies and <laughs> i think that i think that, mo- that this movie is a surprising testament to the narrative ingenuity of atypical central love stories and oh, right. i like that you know what that i will totally ride with that i like <laughs> yeah. it because no matter which version of this movie we're watching at which point yeah. in time it's happening, that remains true. That that does remain the constant. Yes. Because that's the thing. Like, there's no constant through this film, but you nope. are correct. That is one of the few constants is that there's some weird-ass love stories in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay. I, I actually don't have a what is this really about only because... I had to understand what the movie was about to begin with. Yeah. And I did not. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't At this really. Point, did you ever discern what the drilling thing was? It was a tunnel of some sort, but also somehow radio waves in, were involved. And like, why did that and activate this octopus? Like why? the radios activate. I don't know. They didn't explain. They just, and right. whenever there was a radio, they were like strummy noise. 
and it was like okay i guess i'm supposed to think like they gave you the audio cue of like this is a bad thing and yeah but why and we never get it is a movie devoid of exposition yeah which is a feat as a writer that is <laughs> yeah. very it is very hard to write a movie that doesn't have any exposition unless you are trying actively to explain nothing. Right. And unless it's, it's like that- unless you're like Nicholas Whiting Reffin and you're just here for vibes. Yeah, and that's and you're making a point is, of it. This movie is more confusing than any Nolan movie I've watched. It's the but- fifth dimension is love in <laughs> in tentacles, man. If at some point the te- yeah, if at some point the octopus had like traveled through time and wound up in the, the same room as its dad as Anne like, Hathaway, okay, yeah, yeah, it was this was a very confusing movie. So I really truly cannot, I cannot. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, I, 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 and again, not to say I didn't have a good time watching it. I just there, it was it it really did bring me back to my childhood on a Saturday, just being like, what's on TV? Yeah, I'll just flip through these channels and figure it out and figure it out. Yeah. So, and then I mean, fantasy casting. If I had to remake this, I love your idea of doing a brother that, sister. That's duo. what I'm going I with. Think that's, like, just yeah. overhaul and make it the brother sister movie of Ned and Tilly Turner. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I would maybe. I mean, obviously, I like them aged up. In in this movie, there's a 14 year age gap between Shelley Winters and John Huston. Okay. Uh, she's like 57 in the movie at the time of filming, which means he's about 71. Wow. Okay. Which is why there's a significant they. They do feel completely different in age in this. Oh, they yeah. do not. Yeah, they they do not feel they don't feel like siblings, not just because there's a weird vibe in the first few moments, but also <laughs> because he looks and feels so much older than her. Yeah, um, I would I would there was, like to, if they if they had yeah. let it down to where like she lived with her old father, yeah, I could I would have, I would have also followed that. that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, with that in mind, I mean, I think that redoing it, keeping him as older would be fun. Yeah, I, I don't oh, have a totally. casting for it, but I like that idea, Jordan. Yeah, I, I, and I like, I am, I'm like imagination journeying in my head to where it's, it's John Huston and it's Shelley Winters because yeah. I want to see this dynamic built out more between them, and I want to see what hijinks Shelley gets up to, and I want to see him like ball out corrupt bastards. Like, yeah. what did he say? Like. You know, he's talking to somebody at one point. He's like, you ever hear that old, like, old old line or old yarn, like, behind every fortune there's a crime? I was like, yeah! This yeah. guy rules! Yeah. Um, so I was I was loving the wry humor that John Huston brought to this movie. Yeah. I think that we could have got, we could get, like, a fun screwball comedy vibe between the two of them while oh, also yeah. having a very grounded, serious, like, if there, as grounded if, and if, serious as I suddenly want, like, a whole string of, a whole string of, um, Houston and Winters buddy adventure. Like, give me Philadelphia yeah. story with John Houston and Shelley. Like that kind of movie. Throw like, a that's, yeah. fucking panther in the mix and have them do zany things. Give me zaniness from these two actors. Like, I'm having a great time. It's I like this. I like this. And let's get that time machine because I'm fully yeah. on board. Yeah. How many towering infernos are you given tentacles, Jordan? I'm gonna. I feel like for what, for the uh, very specific groove that this movie exists in, which is that Italian American mm-hmm. co-pro, the '70s post Jaws. I feel like for what this movie is doing, for my level of satisfaction, despite the ways in which like it just like is so porous, um, it's a three and a half for me. 
I thought the, yeah. f- the, the, the climactic battle between the animals was inventive and extensive. Like it yeah. did not do, the, you know, we weren't just watching from above the surface being like, oh, I wonder what's going on down there. Like it was fully involved. It was a man and his orca friends and he was sending them out as warriors. That is cool. Uh, grizzliness of like octopus being like pieces falling to the seafloor. Um, loved, again, wanted more of them, but loved Ned and Tilly and and Houston and Winters in this. And I feel like for one of these kind of scattershot bring in your legacy American actors to probably be paid for by Italian money to just make something that plays on a Saturday matinee. I feel like for that category of movie, this stayed entertaining to me despite its jumpiness in a way that normally these things become like boring. Like they just sort of just like, oh man, we really crack to a east of Java. Like that movie just gets real fucking boring at a certain yeah. point. Um, and it, I just, I felt like this had snapped to it the entire yeah. time. And I appreciated that about it. So I'm gonna go 3.5. Yeah. I mean, it's a tight, it's, it's, it's basically 90 minutes. It's a very concise yeah. film. <clears throat> yeah. I actually, I, I was going to go 3.5 to 3.75. All right. Just yeah. Them a three, I was thinking 3.75, just to give them an extra quarter point just solely for the fact that they don't kill Shelly Winters. They, they save Shelly Winters. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, as you said, like the components are entertaining. It was I did not have a bad time watching it. I had a confusing time watching it, but yes. I enjoyed it. Um, great density of disaster. Yeah, really good. The, the individual threads of each movie we were watching, I was like, yeah, I'll watch this film. I would yeah. watch an entire movie of each of those. Like, <laughs> yeah. I would watch, I would totally watch each of these distinct movies. It's just that I was getting parts of each of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it, it didn't feel, it felt cheap, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel cheesy cheap. Yeah, I, I think that's a very key distinction. It felt like they were trying with the resources available. And you know, yeah. I, I love when something tries. That's my biggest thing is, is it actually putting in the effort? And it was, they were putting in the effort. It just, they were doing it with like three matchsticks and some duct tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, it didn't, it yeah. wasn't hokey. Yeah. In the way that so many of these movies are just like absolutely built to be. Exactly, yeah. So I'm going 3.75, I think. Okay. I feel like yeah. that's, a, I feel like we, I feel like this is, I feel like it's the least we can do for a movie that protects Shelly Winters. And gives her those fabulous hats. <laughs> yeah. That goddamn sombrero. Oh my God. Well, so Jordan, next week we go back to yeah. the, Lake, the Lake Bell Appreciation Hour. Yeah. For, All right. For, yeah. For surface episodes five and six, where we will continue to not get any more answers, but we will get more Circo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, do you know, do we get, are we getting more Leighton Meester in the coming hours or? I do not remember. Because I'm worried that we're going to start tapering off from her at a certain point. We are going to yeah. lose Leighton at some point because when they all converge. Yeah, like at when, a certain when, point, when, mm-hmm. she's just extraneous. Yeah, yeah. So we are going to, I think we're going to get less Leighton, but mm-hmm. um, we're going to get more sea monsters and spoiler alert, at some point Martha Plimpton shows up. Oh, that's great news. I love yeah. Martha Plimpton. She's and, fan- and she's so great. Like, I remember distinctly that she is really fun in this. Well, the last time we were, last time I was watching Surface, I remembered that La Brea is getting a second season. Yeah, And was like, God, I am so happy for La Brea to come back. That is wait. great fucking news, man. 
Zira so, Gorecki is finally going to get to do something in 10,000 BC and I am and be taller than everyone and I am stoked about it. Can't I, wait for her to roll up to, to La Brea where like riding on top of a mammoth. It's yeah, riding stuff. on top of a mammoth wearing hopefully a running blade. Like mm-hmm. let's really get her kitted out here. And I hope someone fashions one for her because she obviously didn't pack before she jumped into the sinkhole. Um, but I, this watching service is making me even more grateful for La Brea because it, I know we're getting more of it. And it's like, yeah, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth, man. You gotta, you gotta cherish what you have because there are too many things like surface in the graveyard of one season shows that deserve better. Mm-hmm. I will not take for granted that I am getting more La Brea. I think that's a perfect a that is the dis, the disaster girl's prayer right there. I will not take yeah. for granted that yeah. we're getting more La Brea. Yeah, we're getting more La Brea. God, we're gonna like so much so much happened in effectively ten days in seven to ten days in season one. I yeah. hope season two is twenty four style. Just give us two Each hours hour. a day for twelve episodes over yeah. one day, and by the end of it. We know the entire history of time because that is how, <laughs> that is the information density of watching La Brea. Oh, I, I'm like so they're up in the the North Pacific right now is where um, the dad and the daughter are. You know they're getting down to L.A. in a span of twelve hours. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be like the first season of Game of Thrones when they spent an entire season going from Winterfell to King's Landing. Yeah, and then, and then basically the future, after that. It yeah. was just like all over the seven kingdoms at will. Yeah, that's they're just teleporting. Hundred percent. We are going to get like a season four Game of Thrones level travel pace, where they're going to get from goddamn Seattle to Los Angeles in maybe an episode and a half. I can't wait. I can't fucking wait for this. Yeah, it, like, and will they be? Will they fly on a winged dinosaur? No, they're just going to get there. They're, they're just yeah, going to get just there. Gonna, they're just going to get there. They're going to find a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. something, something because we have we've only got so much time here, people. <laughs> Natalie Z great, needs to see them. Such a great show. Oh God, remember and then the terrible son and the oh daughter are God. stuck in the eighties too. So we've got a. Well, at God. least they it already styled him to looks like he's a goddamn high school kid in the eighties. So that's true. I'm hoping that they just are like, well, and he's in the eighties now. Bye. We're, are we gonna find out that there's someone's parents or something? Yeah. You this. think like they're going to end up being like, is it going to be like an I'm my own grandpa situation? Like, is that what we're going to do? Oh, God. Uh, I think that they're going to end up like adopting the kid that they travel back. With. Oh, I that's right. Because they I went can't through even... with. Well, the but... kid was his dad. They're going to end up adopting. No, no, no. No, wait. Are they? Oh, right. Do they travel with? They travel with the dad and the girl. That's right. Yeah. So, like, are they going to. Is he going to adopt his own father? His own dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's probably, it's gonna, uh, this This show is so fucking wild. Outstanding. I can't, I can't wait. Jordan, in the meantime, yeah. before we revisit Surface and then tr- ten th- hopefully get to travel to 10,000 BC, Jordan, where, <laughs> yeah. can we, where can we find you? Yeah, Um. outside of 10,000 BC, I am uh, on many podcasts. I am on the Feeling Seen podcast every week. Uh, by the time you hear this, the episode that I'm very excited about with Michael Gray Eyes should be out. And oh, cool. you guys should listen to that because he's an icon. Um, and then there's uh, back catalogs of the Ots Tyrion podcast and the whole movie podcast. Hit them up. 
And then we have so many episodes that you can listen to of Disaster Girls that you should get on top of. Yeah, because guys, by the time this episode drops, this will actually have dropped after our third anniversary. Three years. Three years of doing this, gang. So, like, one of the most condensed periods of happening in American in in American history. Yeah. Like the, this three years that has been this this podcast process has taken course, taken place over the course of time that is one of the most densely packed with everything everywhere all at once that could possibly be happening, I, I feel like, in the, the history of this entire so nation. So much. The density of, <laughs> the density of chaos that has been unleashed since Jordan and I started this podcast. Disaster <laughs> girls. Just it. A, a podcast for our time. Yeah, it turns out like we we named ourselves for th- who we would be living, who would we who we would be as we would be living through a series of constant consecutive like just a handshake from one disaster to the next. Just overlapping. There's at least two concurrent. Now that we're, we've got two concurrent pandemics, we're in a climate crisis. There might There's be a, a third pandemic. There's a new pox, everybody. You just there's a third one. They found a new thing that's coming out of China. There's a new like a new disease. It's not. It's not. Is it a pox? I don't know. No, this is, is something thing? else. It's okay. a it's linga something. I don't know, okay. man. Okay. It could be nothing by the time this episode airs, or we could all have it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. it's truly one or the other. The fun of living in 2022. Yeah. Um. Oh, and you can find me before we get totally sidetracked into pandemic life. Um. You can find me. I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. Um. And of course, we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Please rate and review us, guys. Please give us five stars. Write us those reviews. Share us with your friends and family. Yeah. Uh, Tell everybody. Throw a happy third anniversary party for us. I don't know, man. Yeah. And that party is just having people rate and review us. Just hand your phone to friends and have them do it. Walk up to strangers on the street, say happy third anniversary disaster girls, and then take out their phone and rate us on iTunes. That's it. That's all you got to do, just to cost strangers. Yeah, yeah. there you heard it here first. <laughs> um, but otherwise, we'll see y'all back next week for Surface. Yeah, going back with Lake Bell. More of the Lake Bell Appreciation Hour. Bye, guys. <laughs> she deserves. It she is deserves. She, the least that she deserves. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>